When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com Super wild card, nothing personal word of the day. It is Monday, January 16th, 2023. We are all celebrating. I don't know if that's the words you use. What's the right word? Celebrating Martin Luther King Day. People viewing it as a day off, federal holiday. Always such emotion and passion about should you open the office? Should you not open the office? Who's gonna work on Martin Luther King Day? Who's not? If you do work, are you being disrespectful to the memory? If you don't like the sculpture in Boston, are you being disrespectful to the life that was Martin Luther King? My answer is I am both respectful, understanding, and doing a show. It was super wild card weekend. I was trying to figure out with Coca pregame, could not do it. Pre our show, pre the games. It's been branded now by the NFL. You got to brand things because you're selling them. So you're making money when you go to sponsors and say, you're going to own Wild Card Weekend and we're going to make it super. We'll keep spreading it out for Saturday, Sunday, Monday. We'll make it a long weekend and we're going to call it super. It's always a risk. I didn't like calling things super because it's like Super Bowl, Super Wild Card. Sometimes the bowl is not super. Sometimes the wild card is not Maybe it's larger, longer, crazier, more interesting. Fingers crossed that you get the matchups that you want going forward. We used to care about that. The NFL does not. The NFL doesn't need certain matchups. They've got 20 million plus watching a game, whether it's a playoff game between Poe Dunk and Poe Dink, or whether it's between the Cowboys and the Buccaneers. doesn't matter. So I'm thinking about in advance watching these games, knowing we're not a recap show, you know what happened during the games. I'm not gonna go through on third and 10, there was, forget it. Let's talk about the fact that Doug Peterson won a Super Bowl in Philadelphia, took over a Jaguars program that was one foot over the pond. They hire Fabio to be their quarterback. And all of a sudden, 
they're in the playoffs. But they're down to the Chargers and Justin Herbert is crushing and everyone's excited because it's over. Brandon Staley is going to be coach of the year. There's going to be no chargering this time. It's going to be on to the next round. And all of a sudden, Will Lawrence, that's funny. Uh, Martin Lawrence, I'm blanking right now. Holy crikeys, we're live. Coca, Trevor, isn't the brain funny? It doesn't matter when the red light goes on. If you've got a name that's not in your head, it just isn't there. Trevor Lawrence, of course, he starts the comeback. Second biggest comeback, down 27 points, they beat the Chargers. After the game, in, in addition to going to Waffle House, which is exactly where you'd expect Trevor Lawrence to go after a game, because they're hungry. That's sort of what you do after a big game is you try to have something good in the clubhouse and then go get something bad, or you do it the other way. There's some players who would just get snacks after a win because they're going out to dinner with their families. Some guys would stay alone and make their families wait outside the clubhouse as they had a full three-course meal in the clubhouse and then go meet their families who were standing in the outside area because families are not allowed in the clubhouse. It was always easy to be a marriage counselor or a relationship counselor after big victories. Who was taking the longest, right, to shower, eat, and get out where the family waiting room is? We'd have people, totally off the subject, Coca, we'd have people monitoring the family waiting rooms. We'd have people assigned to talk to the families and to just be around and get them water if they want because there were some players who we knew were really slow out of the clubhouse, mostly purposefully, and sometimes uh, there were players quick out of the clubhouse who had nobody in the family room, by the way. So when you are the owner or the president of a team, when you suffer a comeback like that, remember uh, what happened with the Bills just 20 years ago? Is it 30 years ago? 1992, the Bills overcame a 32-point deficit in that wildcard game against the, we are the Houston Oilers, and we're all watching that game, and it, it's unbelievable. Uh, do you remember who the coach was then, by, by chance? Anybody remember a guy named Marv Levy? So anyway, Marv Levy was the coach who was losing that game and then won that game. Do you make decisions on coaches based on collapses? And if you watch the games this week, there were some coaches who I think their jobs could and should be in jeopardy. And there's some coaches who jobs will not be in jeopardy, who probably are not good enough to get their team to the next level. And then there's Brandon Staley. Brandon Staley is being blamed by people because whatever the reason your mentality as a fan when something doesn't go right for you with your sports team, uh, you need someone to blame. If the team doesn't win a championship, blame this person, that person, offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator. Blame the scouts who are drafting players. God, we need a new quarterback. Blame him. Fire the coach. Are you like that in your regular life? Just maybe take a look at that. Does somebody get blamed for every action that happens in your orbit that does not go the way you want it to go? The result is not what you want. You did not get a big enough raise at your office. Blame your boss for sure. You're not doing enough work. Didn't get a good enough evaluation. Not your fault. Just curious, when do you blame yourself? So the old story is when you own something, you're not blamed for anything until you're told you must blame yourself and sell your team. Sarver didn't blame himself for his actions. He was there when he did his actions. Same with Daniel Snyder. 
Jerry Jones doesn't blame himself for being a bad GM. He's a GM. He's the owner. He's the greatest GM who ever lived. So the Chargers need to decide, do you follow the town mob who is calling for the end of your coach, or do you let some time pass, let the emotion pass, not violate the rule of making decisions when you're emotional, and there's no greater emotion than right after being on the wrong side of a huge lead and giving up that huge lead. Do you want an owner who would follow the media and follow the fans and fire their coach the next day? Is that what you're looking for? Because if you are, then you're not looking to win. The best front offices are gonna wait. I'm not telling you that Brandon Staley is the answer to the Chargers prayers. I'm not telling you that they should have won that game. I'm not telling you that the way they were dominant in the first half is the way they were dominating in the second half. And why does that make any difference? Were you firing Doug Peterson after the first half? It's just the, the order, the order in which the halves were done. If you've got a terrible first half and a great second half, that means you get an extension. If you have a great first half and a terrible second half, it means you get fired. How does that work? As evaluators, we can't look at it that way. We can't judge recency by saying, well, he had the better second half and they won the game. I'm not gonna do it, I'm not gonna allow you to do that. It's a big collapse, don't get me wrong. But the Chargers are smart not to fire him. On the other hand, what about the Dolphins? I was so angry during the Dolphins game and I'm gonna have this debate with you right now and then that's it. Sometimes you look at players and evaluate them because what you say is the game's too fast for them. One thing is fans that we don't know and I didn't know till I stopped becoming a fan and became an executive. The speed of the game is shocking. Not just of the players playing. Like if you go sit courtside in an NBA game, it's way different than when you're watching on TV. The amount of physicality, the amount of play above the rim, the size of the men. You go to a football practice or a football game and go to the sideline and you watch the violence, you watch the speed and you watch the size. It's a hell of a lot different than when you're on TV. Baseball, the ball comes at you so much faster and you've got decisions to make. Hey, threw it to the wrong base. How could he come in on that ball and it went over his head? All the things that we criticize when you're at a game, when you know the game, the game speeds up. What you're looking for in players and coaches who are successful is the ability to slow the game down. You'll hear some analysts talk about that, but what it means is slowing the game down means that you are able to make decisions that are well thought out in the amount of time that you're given to make the decisions. For example, if I get the ball on a ground ball to third base and there's a man on first and second, I've got the time and I know in my head I've got to step on third base for the force out at third. When I know that I've got a third and seven situation and I'm calling a play that could result in a gain of five yards and I'm toward the middle of the field, I've got a fourth down decision to make. I'm making that fourth down decision while the third down play is happening. Once you call the play, you are on to the next play whatever that play may be. You are thinking that's what a bench coach does in baseball. They're helping the manager with what's going on two innings from now. Here's the matchup that looks like it's coming down the pike and we've got to have the following pitcher ready for the following matchup. 
In basketball, you are making, you're not just calling a play, you are talking about what to do, how many timeouts you have left, what you're doing in different scenarios, you're trying to slow the game down for the players. What I noticed yesterday about Mike McDaniel, the first year coach, gotta love him, he's a yelly, how do you not? Hiding his vape, the same colors as gloves, you gotta love it. Was that a vape, Coco? We didn't even talk about it post-game or pre-game. Sorry about that. He was on Twitter caught vaping as though they had just caught him cheating on his SATs or something. Tell him to go look at Jim Leland doing heaters in the dugout or Lou Pinella going behind the dugout. We'd have places like when Jim Leland was in town, we had to set up ashtrays in certain places. Hey, it is what it is, right? But what bothered me about Mike McDaniel is the continued calling of timeouts because the play clock kept running out. How many times am I gonna have the argument and bring it on? If you have an answer, give it to me. And I don't wanna hear the analytics where a third and 10 has a 30% chance and a third and 15 has a 15% chance. So you are 100% chance in a worse position by being in third and 15 versus third and 10. Don't tell me about second and nine versus second and four, first and 10 versus first and 15, I don't care. When you're in a playoff game, there is nothing more valuable than the ability to stop the clock, hard stop. When you trade a timeout to save five yards from a delay of game, when you're in the beginning of the first, the beginning of the third, the beginning of the fourth quarter, any time, you are giving away 40 seconds. Do you understand the math of that? The significance of that? If you're down three points and the other team has the ball and there's two minutes and 20 seconds left and you've got your full complement of timeouts, you can get the ball back right with the two minute warning if you don't give up a first down. If you have no timeouts left, and the only way you can stop the clock is with the two minute warning, you're looking at a kneel. 40, 80, 120, two minutes off the clock for three downs. If you run around a little bit before taking the knee, you lose a bunch of yards, the clock is still running out. The ability to stop the clock is paramount. You go into your bag of plays and you say that we have a better probability of completing a fourth and one versus a fourth and six. I agree. It is way more probable. That said, don't give up the five yards. The Dolphins had a fourth and one. Not only did they have no timeouts left because they'd used them all because they couldn't get the play done in time, but on fourth and one, they couldn't get the play done in time and it became a fourth and six. They didn't convert. Game over. After the game, Mike McDaniel said, I was told in my ear it was a first down on the previous third down play. We were ready to run a first down play. And then when we realized it was fourth down, all of a sudden we had to change personnel, didn't have enough time, didn't have a timeout. Here's the number of people on the sideline with headphones, everybody. Nobody noticed what down it was. Nobody was paying attention. If someone gets it wrong, is no one questioning it? Is no one speaking up in the ear of somebody? Hey, it's fourth and one, not first and 10. And if you have the wrong personnel in, are those personnel unable, even if they haven't practiced, to do a fourth and one? Do you have to do full-scale personnel changes? Or is that the time you'd use a timeout if you had one? 
The level of frustration as a Dolphins fan that I have is large. The anger I have is very different. When I was with the Marlins, this is heaven for me. Get the Dolphins out of the playoffs. We can focus on spring training, have the heat not make long runs into June so the focus can be on baseball. Finally, we can get rid of football. I loved when the Dolphins got eliminated. We'd be rooting for them to get eliminated every time. As much as I would say, of course, I'm rooting for my home teams. Horse hockey. So happy when they lost. But now I'm not working for the Marlins, so now I'm angry. I want them to win their first playoff game. They haven't won a playoff game in over 22 years. Is that normal? I don't know. And still we had all these games to go. Can we talk about Daniel Jones and fifth-year options and how that works? People who watch the Giants, they're all excited about Daniel Jones. There's a great picture of him during the game about his body and his neck, and you're watching him run and scamper and throw. And the Giants beat a team that's terrible. The Minnesota Vikings were the worst 12-4 and team, 12-5 and team maybe ever. They won those 11 games a record of under one score seven or fewer points. I'm watching this game and there's a reason everyone's picking the Giants to win, even as an underdog. You look at Kirk Cousins, you look at the Minnesota Vikings and it reminded me of the New York Yankees playing the Minnesota Twins. To me, it was over the minute there was a coin flip. The Giants go on to win and now people are making the mistake with amazing amounts of recency bias. Hey, Daniel Jones, we got to do that. Well, the Giants already declined his fifth-year option. He's going to be a free agent, right? The Giants could re-sign him. Do you think that a good organization takes a good player on a good run through playoffs and uses that to sign that player? You're goddamn right they do. It's so crazy. This happened in baseball with Carlos Beltran. You have a good postseason, boom, you get big extensions. You make all your money because of what you do in the postseason. You've got a big run, you win a Super Bowl. Hi, my name's Nick Foles, sign me. It's insanity that you ignore the years of evaluation because of weeks of performance. But it's so hard to do when all you're reading everywhere is you've got the king of the town. When a quarterback performs and a team outperforms in the playoffs, especially in the NFL playoffs, but it goes for the NBA, it goes for the ML for MLB as well. There's a tendency for a front office to get swept up in that moment. I don't know how many more times I'm going to tell you. If you get swept up as a fan, we want that. Terrific. Get swept up. It doesn't matter to me. But when you're an executive who gets swept up, there you go. You're making decisions on emotionality and you're going to be wrong. What changed between today and yesterday with Daniel Jones? Yes, he beat the Vikings. Yes, he looked good. Did something change? One game of performance. It's like Jerry Jones telling you before tonight's Cowboys game. He's like, hey, I got to tell you. Uh, Dak Prescott, turnovers aren't in his DNA. Well, Jerry, he has the most interceptions of anybody. Yeah, but turnovers are not in his DNA. And don't worry, I'm not firing Mike McCarthy, and we've got a great team, and we're excited to play the Buccaneers. <laughs> Just sort of made me laugh. Every owner has such a different take. I guess when the owner says he's the GM, he's allowed to have that different take. The nightcap was a game that Coca didn't want to watch, too emotional about the Ravens. I want to 
tell you how we decide because one thing that came out of that game is Lamar Jackson wasn't there. When players are hurt, there's two things that happen. Sometimes the team says to the player, we do not want you coming on the road. Sometimes the team says, if you want to come on the road, we will pay you your per diem. You can come on the team plane. You are welcome to come on the road. And the third one is when the team says, you're under contract. We want you with the team on the road. There is no report yet out of Baltimore, which it was. If you are the Ravens and you've got Lamar Jackson hurt and you're trying to figure out what you're going to do with him, are you going to tag him? Are you going to sign him? There's some sort of uncertainty. He's been hurt to end the last two years. The Ravens without Lamar Jackson put up a fight against the Bengals, but were not able to come through. Much like the Dolphins without Tua put up a fight against the Bills, but were not able to come through. They're both going home. What do you do? If Lamar Jackson, the only circumstance under which we told players they were not allowed to be with the team on the road is when they were, it's a terrible expression, I promised my sister I wouldn't use it again, but I need to find a new one. When they were, uh, how about this? When they were not good in the clubhouse and their badness would spread like athlete's foot and their negativity would be this bubble over the clubhouse where you'd say to yourself, wow, we're gonna lose. There's another word for that. It's the C word. We're all trying to come up with a new way to describe it, but it really is. It infests your body and infests your clubhouse and spreads and then kills you. Is that really what Lamar Jackson is? Or is it possible that he was asked to come and chose not to come? And if that's the case, is that who you want on your team? Is that who you want to invest in? It's an interesting question for me. And the reason it's interesting is that when you've got a decision to make, you try to make it only based on what happens on the field, but every human being, every GM and every owner and president, it is a factor. You think about those things that are off the field issues. You think about their role in the community, their role in the clubhouse, their role with charitable endeavors. You think about how they get along with your coach, how they get along with their other players. You think about their families. You really do. We don't publicize that. We don't tell you that we pay attention to, is a player married? Is a player not married? Is a player some sort of, uh, does he go out all the time? Does he not go out all the time? How many kids? What are the ages of the kids? Is that legal? We do it. After the Cardinals game, at the end of the week, uh, we told you that Cliff Kingsbury got fired. What we didn't know when we did our show is that Cliff Kingsbury basically said aloha to the United States, and it's everywhere. If you haven't read this, you're gonna hear it now for the first time and you're gonna smile. He bought a one-way ticket to Phuket. I've been to Phuket, to the World Asian Beach Games. Was in Phuket for five days. One of the biggest things about Phuket is no one cares who you are, but everyone cares whether you have an Adam's apple. And so it is a place that if you are looking to escape, you can escape in Phuket. Cliff Kingsbury has said he's not interested in taking calls about becoming somebody's offensive coordinator. I can assure you he's interested in taking calls if someone were calling about a head coaching position. You can go as far out as you want. And even in Wildcat, the movie that we reviewed on Friday, where you are deep in the jungles of Peru, where you are hours by boat away from anything, surrounded by nothing but jungle, there are satellite phones. There may even be Wi-Fi. 
Phuket, I can promise you I can name one of the three hotels where he's staying. Plenty of Wi-Fi, plenty of connectivity. If he wanted to disappear, you throw your phone in the ocean, you don't tell people where you're flying, and you, even with his girlfriend who he went away with, you can find a way to not be noticed. Do you think that there are fired coaches who are so burnt out, who are so exhausted that they make it so they can never be contacted? Of course not. It's a great sounding, it's a great soundbite, right? It's a great look to make him feel and sound more important. I was walking around Phuket for these games and it's back when I was with the Marlins and uh, we were uh, there with uh, Vladdy Divac. Now, we were not there with him, but he was there totally unrecognizable also, but we were all hanging out in the pool together and uh, I'm just picturing Cliff disappearing as teams are trying to fill their coordinating positions and him trying to figure out when he listens to the voicemails or when he hears from his agent what job they're calling for. I'm not buying the whole disappearing act. But have fun. It's a fun city. All right, when we come back, we're going to review a movie called The Inspection, and we're going to have a talk about referees because I'm about on my last nerve about some of these mistakes. We'll be right back. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Have I given you the impression that any of this is optional? That was just a uh, commercial for Your Honor season two. I thought season one was the end of the series, but money talks. So I'm definitely going to watch season two. Rosie Perez delivered that line. And I got to think about that line. When you're putting a team together and running a team or you're running any sort of business, it is so important that people know what's optional and what's not. Some of the greatest misunderstandings happen when there is a misunderstanding about optionality. Rosie Prez, have I done anything to give you the impression that this is optional? It's very much what it is to serve, I would assume, in the Marines. Not a lot is optional. You're told where to be, what to look like, what to act like, and you got to be damn strong. I watched a movie where Jeremy Pope is a potential nominee for Best Actor. He was nominated for a Golden Globe. Uh, he was in that great movie called miniseries called Hollywood, which I reviewed on a previous Nothing Personal. This is a movie called The Inspection about a uh, a gay soldier who became a soldier because he was down and out, likely a drug addict, and his mother, played by Dwayne Wade's wife, Gabrielle Union, the former child actress, who is, I just watched her in an old episode of West Wing, by the way, when she was very, very young. But Gabrielle Union plays somewhat, plays his mother, this is based on a true story, who basically can't deal with the fact that he's gay. I can't believe that's still a thing. 
to not love your child unconditionally because you believe that they do something that in your mind is a sin, you have no idea how off base you are to base your love of a child on something that that child wants, loves, or needs to feel or do. It's so pathetically selfish, I can hardly believe it. But without telling you my hatred for the mother figure and telling you whether or not she comes around, this is about someone who goes into the Marines and realizes that being a gay Marine may be difficult. How do you make connections with men once they find out who you are? Are there concerns? It's like a clubhouse. The reason why players are reticent to say they're gay is far more to do with the shower situation than it is to do with the acceptance situation. If you pulled your clubhouse, you'd get 90% of the people to say, I have no problem having gay players in the clubhouse. 10% would say, I'd rather not. But 100%, no matter what, are thinking about it when it comes to the communal shower. That's just the truth. You may not want to hear it. You may be upset that I'm talking about it that way, but that's a thing. And when you build a new ballpark, you're still building in the clubhouse, however nice it is, all the showers are together. And people can say, oh, that's so stupid, that's so childish. I'm not disagreeing with you, but what I am saying is it's real. And I traffic in real. I don't traffic in what you wanna be real. I don't traffic in what people believe could be real. I traffic because of my experience and what is real. And we've sp I've spoken to players about this directly. I was about to hide behind we, forget it, I. It's come across my desk. Jeremy Pope does a great job in the inspection. It's a, uh, it's a story about a man who makes it through something that is very hard to do no matter what your sexual orientation is. And the people around him have to realize that at the end of the day, when you need someone in your foxhole, it does not matter if that person is gay, straight, or A, or in, or out. What matters is, is that person someone who has the ability and the discipline to save you. You should take that analogy out into the real world. You should take it into your business. Does this person have the ability to help our business? Does this person have the ability to help our team? That's why I never understood racism in sports or business. I never understood why there are people who will only hire certain types of people because that's who they're comfortable with. When you've got a job to do, when your goal is to make money, Shame on you for putting anything before that. If your job is to win games and make money and there's someone who can help you make money and win games and you don't have that person on your team for any particular reason, are you kidding me? All right, so I got worked up watching that movie, but it's a movie worth seeing called The Inspection. You can wait till after January 24th. If he's not nominated, you gotta hold off because you're gonna have so many other movies to watch. But if he is, then you're gonna have to watch it. All right, let's talk about referees. So much talk this weekend. NFL referees, NBA referees, everyone looking bad. All the different mistakes. There was a, this, this new report shows all the mistakes the NBA referees make. They call it the two-minute report. And there was a Laker game. I think a Laker-Mavs game that went into double overtime and Luka won that game. So many examples where they, the referees made mistakes. They called fouls when they shouldn't. They didn't call fouls when they should. The NFL referees were absolutely crushed for a, for a game that they refereed between the Seahawks and the Rams that stopped the Packers from being in the playoffs. They gave undue influence to the Seahawks and allowed them the right to play in their game and lose to the Niners. MLB umpires 
constantly being double-checked, calls constantly being overturned. Then you get news that there's going to be an automatic strike zone in AAA. That's the highest minor league level is called AAA in baseball. That is right below Major League Baseball, right below. And this year, there will be automatic balls and strikes called for the first time at that level. What do we do here when you've got the technology that can make members of a union less important? Has there ever been a situation in our society where there were unionized members of a business, let's think about this, vroom, vroom, and all of a sudden something happened that made those jobs go bye-bye? Vroom, vroom. Yeah, it happens. If we have a way to get rid of seven lines people at a tennis match because we have a system that can tell you whether a ball's in or out and it beeps or doesn't beep in the ear of one chair umpire, we have lost part-time jobs for tons of tennis lines people. Yes, we have. But our sport's better. NFL referees, very important. We're never going to go to a system of no referees. How do you not go to a system where you're not spotting the ball? And it's up to the two side judges and line judges to figure out, was that a first down? Was that not a first down? Is it fourth and a half an inch or first and 10? Let's take a look at the great technology we have with the yellow first down line or orange first down line. Oh, crikes, it's in the wrong place. All this happened during games this week this weekend during the playoffs. And all I kept thinking about is, we've got the technology to make these decisions for us. What's stopping us? Is it the union? That was a big discussion that we had in baseball, that the umpires union was making us negotiate and bargain because they didn't like replay, because they didn't wanna look bad. I don't care. You want us to not make progress toward integrity on the field because you don't want to look bad because you're a human being and by definition, technology will have an easier, less emotional way to tell you what happened where we can't walk into your umpire's training room and tell you who we want to win because of what we want and have that actually impact your decision on a roughing the quarterback, have it impact your decision on a defensive pass interference. You're telling me that there may be a way to automate that where you don't know who's at bat and you don't know the situation of the game. If it's a ball, it's a ball. If it's a strike, it's a strike. That there's a chance that we can tell you whether or not somebody is safe or out, whether a ball is in or out. I'm done with that. I used to be far more traditional when it came to what I wanted. The human factor, I used to say. I have grown and I have changed. I want the human factor. I love that. I love the fact that every umpire has a different strike zone. It was up to us to study and learn. And believe me, we did. We had little black books on which umpires did what and how they called games. And you can bet your bippy that that made it into the pregame hitting plan and the pregame pitching plan meetings where we talk about who's on the dish and the way they generally call games. Oh yeah, hey, stand up a little bit. That umpire is shorter. Make sure you lean down. Make sure you throw high because he's a taller home plate umpire. The strike zone's gonna be up. Make sure you realize the history of this umpire with those two players. You borderline, you frame that, you're going to get the call. Make sure we're up three to one and they want us to have a six game. We're going to have a problem. We're going to have to win it outright, take it out of the umpire's hands. Oh yeah, this is real. Yeah, the NFL did not want Buffalo against Cincinnati. Don't be ridiculous. That's a terrible storyline for next week. Come on.
Yeah, they wanted Dolphins against the Ravens. So my frustration with umpires and referees in general is that, is there another situation where you take technological improvements and you actually turn your back on them? Hey, I don't want 5G. I'm happy with my 3G. Love it. I don't need high-speed Wi-Fi. I've got the beep, 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 beep. Look, it's printing one page an hour. This is amazing. No, don't give me the new technology where I can print 10 pages a minute. I want to do one page an hour. And by the way, I'm not getting rid of my fax machine. Forget it. What, do you want me to attach that to an email? It's not safe. I've got to give you my credit card number. I'm not putting it over the inter-Google. Someone's going to steal it. Suit yourself. You want to stop with progress? Then stop. I don't. I'm going to give people the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to retrain NFL umpires and referees. I'm going to have fewer Major League Baseball umpires. I'm going to find a way to make sure there's never a problem about a fair or foul ball that hits a line. Ever. I'm never going to have a problem with whether the ball broke the plane in the NFL or whether there's a first down. Not going to do it. Will there be some hurt feelings and some more people with fewer jobs? We'll have to retrain and do something else. Yep. And that's how it works. Wait to see when I tell you something's going to happen. And if it doesn't happen, I'll revisit it. If it does happen, I promise you I'll revisit it. Guess what? Automatic balls and strikes, meaning a little beep plus challenges that you can do. A little beep in the umpire's ear. It's coming. So it's not here in 23 except in AAA. By 2025, there will be automatic balls and strikes and the game will be different. We're going to have plenty of time to talk about the new MLB rules that are starting this season on March 30th, but automatic balls and strikes will not be at the major league level. We are still subject to the whims of human beings, the percentage of human error and human bias, but not for long. NFL, baby. Automatic balls and strikes by 2025. Wait to see. All right, nothing personal pick of the day. We were 0-7, and, and now we are 6-9. and nine. We had a 4-2 and two weekend. Uh, did you notice on Sunday that the Dolphins covered underdog, the Giants covered underdog, and the Ravens covered underdog? The Jaguars covered underdog, and the Niners covered favorite. The underdogs went 5-1. and one. I had a few underdogs, but not enough. So on Friday, we told you to take the Warriors over the Spurs, because Curry would have his legs. You may not have paid attention, but then you lost on winning money. They played in front of the Alamo Dome and they crushed the Spurs. Saturday, we told you the Jaguars would find a way and you probably would have hedged it down 27-0 at the half, but then you would have not won what you could have won. Jaguars covered. Niners over the Seahawks. The Niners are just a better team. There's a reason CBS Sports HQ went breaking news for an hour when they acquired McCaffrey from the Panthers on October 21st. What a talent to have his ability to rush, his ability to get yards after the catch, his ability to uh, change the way your offense looks. The Niners are a real team. If you are handicapping the NFC and you don't have the Niners in the Super Bowl, that means you're expecting an upset. I'm sorry, Eagles fans, but that's how I feel. But we won that game. Yesterday, I really thought the Bills would crush the Dolphins. So I, I want to give enough credit to Mike McDaniel because with their third string quarterback, they found a way to stay in the game. But to me, that was more of the Dolph of the Dolphins 
playing the way they normally would play and the Bills playing way worse than they can play. And that can narrow the field any particular day. That's why it's called any given Sunday. All of that said, overall, Mike McDaniel gets a C plus for coaching and the Dolphins get a cover. Um, The Bills overall, if they play like that against the Bengals, they're not going to win. Giants, Vikings, we've covered. Bengals, Ravens, what can you say? Are are Ravens fans done with John Harbaugh? They're ready to go, ready to be done. Maybe switch out John for Jim. Maybe you're frustrated by the fact that your offense isn't good enough. Play calling isn't good enough. All right, Monday's game. What a game tonight. NFL did it. Of course they did it. They've got the Cowboys playing the Buccaneers. How do you not put Tom Brady and Jerry Jones in primetime? ESPN is all happy. Everyone's going to be watching this. It's a wild card game. The excitement for me is this. I can't lose tonight. If the Cowboys lose, then I have a story about Jerry Jones needing to fire his GM. If the Buccaneers lose, I have a story of, hey, Tom Brady, he needs more. He had a great season, but at some point you got to realize it's done. You got to start with your 10-year Fox deal. So I'm good. I don't need to root for anybody. I'm going to root for a good game. I'm going to say Cowboys win by a field goal. Jerry Jones talking so much pregame. It's just too much, right? Telling me that Mike McCarthy's job's not on the line. Do you know the Cowboys have four playoff wins since 1995 when they last won the Super Bowl? Four. We all talk about the Cowboys as this successful America's team. They're almost as bad as the Dolphins. They just have better press. They have more loyal fans. It's very frustrating. I always got angry. This is triggering. I will admit it to you. I'm triggered when people don't recognize the significance of the Marlins having two World Series titles in the past 25 years. I don't think people realize the number of cities who would trade places with Marlins fans for those World Series in 97 and 03, even for all the years dry in the Negev. The reality is you've had great fun, great success. As a matter of fact, being a fan in South Florida, notwithstanding the Dolphins situation, you've had World Series, two of them. You've had NBA championships, multiple Heat NBA championships in the past 25 years. It's been hugely successful as a sports town. Huge. A lot of complaining, though. I don't know why. If you're a Cowboys fan, are you complaining? I don't know. You've got rings. I don't think you should be. Cowboys, two and a half over the Buccaneers. So yesterday was the day that used to make me angry while running a team. It was called the International Sign Day. And we had to somehow make believe that the players we were signing on signing day, that these deals were just coming together. This is the day with which you can sign players. Why? Because this is the day that Major League Baseball decided your money resets. It's the first day of the next year of international signs. You've got a pot of money as a baseball organization that you can spend on international players. Those are players not eligible for the USA Rule 4 amateur draft. And there is no international draft. So you've got an entire group of people you pay. You don't pay them a lot because it's the Dominican and Venezuela. But you pay them to find kids. Find me little kids 
who are going to be players and we're going to give them money to bring them into our organization, bring them into the Dominican academies that we have, and then give them visas to get them over to the minor leagues here in the States. And hopefully when they're 19, 20, 21 or 22, they can become big leaguers. But for now, they're 16. If you're American in high school, you can't get drafted till you're 18. If you go to college, you can't get drafted till you've after uh, your junior year of college. It's all very strange. But for international players, boom, 16, you're ready to go. So what do we do? We're on them when they're 12. And you're going to be wrong way more than you're going to be right. And by creating a pool of money for these players, what you are saying to your front office and to your head of international and to your GM, hi, I'm the president of the team. Sign as many guys as you want. But if you want to give more than 250 grand to a player, I'm going to approve that. You want to sign 50 guys at 100 grand, take the $5 million, that's all you, you got it. We got 5 million to spend. I'm okay with 50 guys at 100 grand. You want to do one guy at 5 million, you're putting your job on the line because that's who we're getting. The San Diego Padres gave a catcher $5.6 million yesterday. A 16-year-old catcher, you're going to read reports. He's got a great arm, great defense, frames the ball well, his bat can play. He's got power and it's growing. He's 16. We're all full of it when we talk that way. Is there such thing as a can't miss 16 year old? Find me one. Of course, there are players who end up being superstars you thought were gonna be good. It's math. Once in a while, it's gonna happen. If you go up and down MLB rosters, go to every international player who is successful. Go look at the Astros organization. Go look at how much they paid for their international players. It is a crapshoot. But we can't say that because the scouts need to justify their existence. We can't say that because we have to justify our existence to our owner. The owners can't say it because they have to keep the system in place in their industry because what they're told is acquiring talent is the most expensive thing in our sport. The best, most efficient way to win is to lower your cost of acquisition. And the lowest you can do is getting a player in the draft. It's why the best teams love the draft because you're going to miss a lot. But when you make, that make is so significant and your vigorous is so great from winning that transaction to losing that transaction, that it's worth it for you to keep trying those transactions. My theory always was when you put all of your eggs in one basket, You've got an allocation of $6 million to spend on your international players and you give five and a half of it to one player. The odds are much greater that you're going to lose this year's draft. It's not a draft. You're going to lose this year's pool of players. But yet teams do it because it's great press. The New York Yankees signed this guy. The Miami Marlins signed that guy. The Padres. And then you hear about Vladimir Guerrero's son signed by Texas. Great blood. We look at that. We like it when players are sons of players. More importantly, we like signing players who have money issues more than players who don't have money issues. So there's a fight there. Why do we like players from the Dominican who come from no money? Because they're more apt to take less guaranteed money when it comes time to pay them. There's a reason some of these players on Atlanta have signed these deals as young players. They want the guaranteed money. They want to change the way their family is. You think Vladimir Guerrero's son needs to sign a contract that is at a discount because he and his family need money? Of course not. So it's a constant argument between genes, between pedigree, between projection. 
And what's at the heart of every one of these discussions? Of course, it's just business. Welcome to Major League Baseball. This is nothing personal. When you make decisions for your company, you always look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, books, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart if you sell online, schedule package pickups through the dashboard, and automatically see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers, with rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are, even on the go. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other business decision makers with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.